welcome to today's podcast. Today's topic is the Cold War. The Cold War was a war between the United States and the Soviet Union, as well as other small nations. The war was primarily fought over the difference in the capitalist and communist economic ideologies. The U.S. was a pro-capitalist government, while the Soviet Union was pro-communism. Today's podcast will be divided like this. Events leading to the Cold War will receive a segment, followed by the major policies of the United States. Then, major events, concepts, and symbols will receive segments. And last, there will be a timeline of the events of the Cold War. Audio clips will be featured throughout, and pop quizzes will be at the end of some segments. Events leading to war. Before the war. The Cold War was preceded by and is an indirect result of World War II. World War II was a war between the Axis powers, consisting of Germany, Italy, and Japan, and the Allied powers, consisting of the United States, Britain, Australia, France, and the Soviet Union. During the Second World War, the United States and the Soviet Union were allies against Germany. The alliance was instrumental in coordinating the fight against Nazi Germany. While the United States and the Soviet Union fought together in this war, their relations soured quickly after the war. The two nations eventually defeated the German forces by claiming the capital, Berlin, in 1946. The day was celebrated widely in both nations. This so-called VE Day, or the Victory in Europe Day, marked an important step toward the complete Allied victory. The only Axis power after Germany and Italy was Japan. Led by the notorious Emperor Hirohito, the nation was once a major force, but the nation was now going broke and had to rely on unconventional war tactics as well as fight-to-the-death tactics. This can be seen in tactics such as kamikaze. While the Soviet Union shifted its forces towards China, the United States set its sights on two cities, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. These two cities were set as the future sites of the first offensive attacks using nuclear weapons ever. The story behind nuclear weapons. Ever since the United States intelligence services reported that the German scientific community was researching the weaponization of nuclear technology in 1939, the United States began to develop their own nuclear capabilities. The United States focused their efforts on creating a bomb. Called the Manhattan Project because of where scientists at the time were based, they began to develop a bomb capable of destroying a city. Researchers like Rob Oppenheimer worked with other physicists, scientists, and engineers to create the bomb. In the summer of 1946, they developed the first functional atomic bomb. The bomb was refined, then dropped on Japan. This happened twice. The places that the bombs were dropped was at Hiroshima and Nagasaki. 
These bombs forced a surrender by Japanese forces, and the U.S. won the war. One of the understood benefits of dropping the atomic bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki was to scare the Soviet Union. The United States wanted to show the Soviet Union the force of the United States and the force of the new technology they had just developed. This benefited the U.S. for a time, but benefits stopped when the Soviet Union began to develop their own bomb, partly using stolen U.S. plans and technology. The Soviet Union employed Igor Korchatov to lead the project. Korchatov bomb resembled the United States Fat Man bomb. This is because the plans Igor Korchatov had obtained were based off the Fat Man bomb developed by the United States and dropped on Japan. The first Soviet bomb, RDS-10, also called First Lightning, was detonated at Semipalatinsk, ending America's nuclear monopoly and beginning the Cold War nuclear arms race. To understand the Cold War, it's important to understand the plans and policies used by the American government to deal with the spread of communism. The first plan developed by the United States was called atomic deterrence. This was the policy of using atomic weapons like bombs to deter communist forces. Mainly used during the Truman presidency, it was used during a time where the U.S. believed they had a nuclear monopoly on nuclear weapons. They believed that the Soviet Union had no nuclear weapons, and the threat of the usage of atomic weapons was strong enough to deter the Soviet Union. When the Soviet Union developed their own nuclear weapons, however, the period abruptly ended. During this time, the Truman Doctrine was also created. This gave nations in danger of becoming communist financial, military, and political assistance. Along with atomic deterrence came the policy of containment. This was during a period that the U.S. believed that communism, if not contained, would spread to other parts of the world, called the domino theory. The U.S. was worried that nations with true democratic ideals, like the U.S. or Great Britain, could fall to communism if influences were strong enough. The United States National Security Council was created to deal with issues relating to communism and Soviet activities. The National Security Council released the infamous document NSC-68, which outlined U.S. plans for containment of communist and socialist activities. NSC-68 directly states, As for the policy of containment, it is one which seeks, by all means short of war, to 1. Block further expansion of Soviet power. 2. Expose falsities of Soviet, Soviet pretensions. 3. Induce a retraction of the Kremlin's control and influence, and four, in general, so foster the seeds of destruction within the Soviet system that the Kremlin is brought at least to the point of modifying its behavior to conform to generally accepted international standards. The document also outlined economic capabilities of both nations, and this set forth the baseline for future policies by presidents to come. The next policy was called mass retaliation. This was the response of the U.S. to fight back against any other nation that attacked it with greater proportion of force than first used. The policy was utilized during the Eisenhower administration, and this plan deterred attack and invasion. Important to note about this strategy is that nations practicing the policy, like the U.S., 
needed to ensure other nations knew and understood the capabilities of the nation practicing. If other nations didn't know or understand the power of the nation practicing the policy, such as the U.S., the policy would be largely ineffective. This is because if other nations didn't understand the practicing nation's military power, it would reduce the perceived force of any possible retaliation. Flexible response was another plan or policy instituted. It was created and implemented by John F. Kennedy to create an alternative to the mass retaliation used by the Eisenhower administration. John F. Kennedy wanted to prevent more than just nuclear war. He wanted to create a system where both conventional forces, like soldiers and armored divisions, as well as unconventional forces, like special forces, could be used to deter or prevent attacks from other nations. In order to do this, Kennedy created a new special forces division called the Green Berets. One failure of his policy is considered to be the Bay of Pigs invasion. Kennedy authorized the CIA, as well as other government agencies, to allow a Cuban rebellion on the main island of Cuba. This failed and many people died. It left a negative mark on the Kennedy administration and the plan of flexible response itself. This policy caused an increase in defense spending. Next up is realistic deterrence. This plan is also called a strategy for peace and it was developed during the Nixon administration. It was carried through the Ford administration and this policy was instituted to return the American nation back to a time of peace. Lyndon B. Johnson's administration involved America in Vietnam in order to fight communism. They did this with the Gulf of Tonkin Revolution. Nixon's plan was to return to peace by removing American forces from Vietnam. Most Americans generally supported this plan, and American voters liked Nixon because of it. Thanks to Nixon's fervent anti-communist actions during the 1950s, or the era of McCarthyism, he was able to work with leaders of communist governments to reduce tensions and create a more peaceful world. This is evidenced by Nixon's actions in China, where he visited the leader and helped establish new trade relations that last even to this day. The last major policy to cover is called conventional retaliation. This policy involved the usage of conventional weapons of war, like planes, warships, and troops. Note, no real war was fought between the Soviet Union and the United States, but nations and armies that were affiliated with communism were fought against. The invasion of Grenada exemplifies the policy of conventional retaliation. The policy was later modified and involved threat assessment as well. Pop quiz. Which policy involved the response of a nation to fight back against a nation with a greater proportion of force than first used? Was it A. Flexible response B mass retaliation, C, conventional retaliation, or D, realistic deterrence. The correct answer was mass retaliation. The next segment is the Cold War. The Cold War was fought in Korea, a peninsula off of China. The Korean War was a war between the Communist North and Capitalist South Korea. Kim Il-sung was the North Korean leader, and Syngman Rhee was the South Korean leader. Soviet and Chinese-backed fighters invaded the NATO and U.S.-backed Southern Korea. 
the United States deployed troops to the region, and this resulted in a large amount of American casualties. The South pushed back against the North, but were immediately suppressed by the Chinese forces that forced troops back to the 38th parallel. The parallel is where the border is today. An armistice was signed, but war is still technically going on. The following video is a video audio from a YouTube channel called Simple History. The video goes over the Korean War and the timeline of events that occurred during the war. By 1948, the country was divided in half at the 38th parallel, with the capitalist South ruled by Syngman Rhee and the communist North ruled by Kim Il-sung. The Soviet troops withdrew from Korea in 1948 and U.S. troops withdrew in 1949. However, North and South Korea, as enemies of one another, would not accept the border between them as permanent. The North Koreans attacked South Korea on June 25, 1950, advancing across the 38th parallel. Around 75,000 troops of the North Korean People's Army defeated the Republic of Korea's army with success, capturing the capital city of Seoul, then occupying the whole of South Korea except for Busan. This was a problem as President Truman in the United States wanted to contain the spread of communism by preventing the domino effect. That is, if Korea fell, so would other countries to the ideology. South Korea appealed for support, and the United States pushed a resolution through the United Nations Security Council. The USSR did not use its veto power, as it was boycotting the council because the new communist China was not accepted. In China's seat was the pro-US Chinese nationalist government of Taiwan. An appeal was made by the Security Council for North Korea to withdraw its troops, but was ignored. As a result, approval was granted for a UN army made up of an international force of 16 nations to send help to South Korea, commanded by General Douglas MacArthur. The UN troops, composed mainly of Americans, landed in South Korea in early July, but were soon pushed back on the defense by the North Korean forces, forming a perimeter around Busan to defend the line until reinforcements arrived in August. Now that their position was strengthened, MacArthur went on the offensive. On September 15th, the U.S. Marines X Corps launched an amphibious assault at Incheon. The North Korean troops were pushed back on the retreat over the 38th parallel, and soon Seoul was recaptured along with the whole of South Korea by the end of the month. Now, MacArthur was to go beyond the initial idea of containment. Truman, worried of a Chinese response, nevertheless approved, and U.N. troops moved into North Korea on October 7, 1950. On October 12th, they captured Pyongyang, the North Korean capital, and then the Yalu River, which was the border with communist China. China retaliated by helping the North Koreans, sending 250,000 Chinese troops. The UN troops, overwhelmed by this new force, were pushed out of North Korea with heavy losses. By January 1951, Chinese and North Korean troops had captured Seoul. General MacArthur wanted to use the atom bomb on China and was dismissed for insubordination by President Truman, who went back to a policy of containment. In June 1951, more UN troops were sent to Korea, eventually driving the North Korean army to the 38th parallel and stabilizing the front. Now, a stalemate set in. In July, peace talks began, but a compromise could not be found. Meanwhile, fighting continued and American pilots fought in the air against Soviet pilots using Chinese jet fighters and wearing Chinese uniforms. 
General Dwight D. Eisenhower took over as president in early 1953 and sought an end to the war. After two years of negotiation, an armistice was signed on July 27, 1953 at Panmunjom on the 38th parallel. A demilitarized zone was set up, which stands to this day. The next segment is the Berlin Wall. The Berlin Wall was a concrete barrier that divided Berlin from 1961 to 1989. The wall separated the western Berlin region from the surrounding East Germany. There were guard towers and defenses around the wall that was 96 miles around West Berlin. It was 11.8 feet high and life was very different on both sides. The vision of a communist utopia was rejected by West Berliners as they suffered from many food shortages, oppressive police tactics, and more. Many fled to the east from the west, including skilled workers and professionals, so East Germany built the wall. The border was opened on November 9, 1989 after protests in East Germany and the democratization of nearby areas. Behind me stands a wall that encircles the free sectors of this city, part of a vast system of barriers that divides the entire continent of Europe. General Secretary Gorbachev, if you seek peace, if you seek prosperity for the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe, if you seek liberalization, come here to this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, open this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Pop quiz. Why was the Berlin Wall created? Was it A, because life inside was utopian and they needed to keep people out? B, because the Soviet Union thought it looked very interesting? C, to prevent people from leaving? Or D, to increase security of the civilians inside? The correct answer is to prevent people from leaving. Next is the Cuban crisis. To understand the Cuban crisis, you have to understand who Fidel Castro was. Fidel Castro was born to the wealthy family of sugar plantation owners. He was interested in politics throughout his life and joined the Cuban Revolutionary Party in order to bring down the dictatorship at the time. Castro was part of the Cuban People's Party, or a communist party, that existed during the time in Cuba. He managed to set up a new government, and Castro's communist ties led to his government's close relation with the Soviet Union. He had numerous assassination attempts from the American CIA. The Bay of Pigs invasion. When John F. Kennedy took office, 
He took over all of the Eisenhower administration's plans and policies. One such plan was the Bay of Pigs invasion. The plan was to use Cuban exiles to attack the Cuban forces. The plan had two major problems, though. It was too large for a clandestine operation, which limited the ability for the U.S. to deny accountability, and it was too small to create any significant impact. The CIA went through with the already faltering plan, though, and the invasion went as predicted, which wasn't well. Cuban radio stations broadcasted the invasion. Coral reefs sank the invaders' ships, and Cuban forces were ready and prepared for the invasion. Many Cuban exiles were killed, and upwards of 1,000 were captured as prisoners. Overall, the mission was an absolute failure. Cuban Missile Crisis Cuba, led by the previously mentioned Fidel Castro, began to build missile silos in order to store and maintain Soviet nuclear missiles. When the U.S. began to understand the threat, they began to develop a plan to dismantle any threat of nuclear missiles near the U.S. The United States Navy began what was essentially a blockade of Cuba, and the showdown began. While both nations became dangerously close to attacking each other, neither did, and a resolution was reached. The U.S. would withdraw its missiles from Turkey if the Soviet Union would withdraw its missiles from Cuba. Because of the events that occurred here, a hotline was established between the United States Oval Office and the Kremlin. The goal was to prevent future nuclear incidents like the one that could have occurred in Cuba. The Vietnam War Similar to the situations in Korea and Berlin, Vietnam was divided into two parts. The two parts were the North and the South Vietnam. When the pro-communist North Vietnamese and Viet Cong forces grew tired of no dim zims control of the region, they pushed for a different government system, communism. When the American government understood the South situation, they sought a resolution to be able to ascend assistance. The way the government achieved this was by receiving the Gulf of Tonkin resolution. This was given to the Lyndon B. Johnson administration because of an alleged communist attack against two American destroyers. The resolution gave the administration approval to send aid in the form of American soldiers to Vietnam. The war was extremely divisive, and while some Americans supported the war, many did not. American and South Korean troops fought viciously against the North Korean and Viet Cong troops. American troops used defoliating agents, such as the new Agent Orange, to destroy the leaves of trees in the region. American troops also used napalm bombs, which left a sticky and highly flammable residue on whatever it came into contact with. The opinion of the public began to waver significantly in 1969 when the details of a horrific massacre called the My Lai Massacre was revealed to the public. The people learned about the killings that took place in the area and opinions shifted almost immediately. When the public opinion began to change, they decided that they needed a way out of the war. One way they thought to do this was to elect Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon authorized removal of troops in Vietnam, and it began the start of what looked like a communist victory. In 1975, communist forces captured the capital of South Vietnam, Saigon. This is generally seen as the end of the Vietnam War. The result of the war. The result of the war was not positive. 
Economic consequences such as inflation, high interest rates, and a weak American dollar all impacted the American economy. In addition, casualties on both sides were very high. Cities in Vietnam were also severely damaged, and the population was displaced from all of the fighting that occurred there. The End of the Cold War December 8, 1987 The Intermediate Nuclear Forces Treaty, or INF, was signed, which eliminated a class of nuclear weapons from the American and Soviet Union sides. By the end of 1989, leaders of most Eastern European nations, except Bulgaria, had been ejected from the Soviet Union because of uprisings. More and more nations demanded independence from the Soviet Union, and after 45 years, the Cold War was finally coming to a close. The Fall of the Soviet Union Mikhail Gorbachev's radical reforms, such as perestroika and glasnost, weakened the communist grip on the nation. During December of 1991, the impending reduction in communist control resulted in the resignation of Mikhail Gorbachev. Boris Yeltsin took control, which led to a more democratic Russian government and a more capitalist Russian society. The tricolor flag that became the official flag of the new government on August 21, 1991, was flown over Moscow on Christmas Day. On December 26, 1991, the Soviet Union was officially dissolved. The Cold War was over. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed.